Praise the Lord. Can we lift up our hands and just worship the Lord tonight? Wave those hands to him in worship. Lord, we worship your name tonight. Holy Spirit, this is your service. These are your people. You have brought them to do something in their lives. Holy Spirit, ensure that no one leave this service tonight the same way. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We may be seated. I'm glad to be here tonight. I am not so much, I can express myself a lot. I can't say how much I feel at home. I feel good about Pastor Marion and Pastor Stephanie. This is a great church. You are in a good place. And if you are here tonight, and this is not your church, I believe God is speaking to you. You are in a good place. We came in here tonight, I saw the unction of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit through the worship. There is no better place to be on a Sunday night. I want to thank God for the friendship, and thank you for having us come. Of course, I have to acknowledge Pastor Bill Walton. We've known for about 10 years or more now. And uh, I will call him my brother from a different mother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I thank God for everything we have to do together in the course of the gospel of Christ. I salute all the pastors, all the workers, and all the leaders. I'm going to tell you one or two things about myself. I have four children. I'm married. I've been married for 24 years. My children are 22, 20, 20, 18, and 7. The first three are girls. The last one is a boy. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I guess God finally had mercy on me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I came to the United States the year 2000. I came because the Lord said, go. My wife had been coming here for several times before then, on vacation, on different stuff. We had our first two children here. We weren't living here. And... Uh, she would just come, and uh, one time, she, the first time she came, she was pregnant. She didn't mean to have the baby here, and, uh, but she was seven months pregnant, flying back to Nigeria. Then everybody else started complaining. Why would you go back to Nigeria with seven-month pregnancy? This is risky. This is... Anyway, she stayed. We had the first baby here. Then the Lord spoke to me from childhood about ministry. I always knew I would be a pastor. I didn't like it. I don't want to be it. For first reason, all the pastors in our lives growing up, they were poor. And I came from a very poor family. And I, didn't, I saw pastoring as a continuation of poverty. So I didn't want to do it. 
The first time I met my spiritual father, Bishop David Oyedepo, I was blown away. For the first time, I saw it was possible to pastor and be prosperous. So my fears were gone. Now, I wasn't going to come to America. That is the truth. I'm, because I didn't want to pastor. My wife was here to have a second child. They were two weeks from coming back home. I bought a car as a surprise gift for her. I registered a car on a Thursday. She was going to be back on Saturday. On this Thursday, she was going to be back on next Saturday. On Tuesday, I had an accident with a car. And the four wheels were up in the air. They rolled several times. Then I came out of the accident. No one, nothing. I said, Jesus, what is this? The Lord said, it's not the devil, it is me. What are you doing here? I don't need you here. It's not the devil. What are you doing here? I walked out of that car. I made my way to the United States. <laughs> because I didn't want to die. <laughs> and as I came, I arrived in New York. My wife was in California. It's a long story, but just to get a little bit of it. The Holy Spirit said to me, I have brought you to the United States to be a blessing to my people. Don't do what everyone has done. Now, I'm talking about everyone from Africa. Don't do what everyone has done. Now, what has everyone done? You see, when we come from Africa, it's like we escape poverty. You understand what I'm saying? Most of us naturally will come with this escapist mentality because this is like good life. The Holy Spirit said, no, I have brought you to be a blessing to my people. Preach my word and I will bless you. There is nothing in anyone's life materially that will arouse your jealousy because you will have a lot of it. Preach my word. For 19 years, I've never had a dime doing any secular anything. I've never had a job other than pastoring in America. I've never done anything other than preaching. And God has blessed us. Tonight, I'm here. I believe the Holy Spirit arranged this meeting because this is out of my character. <laughs> I've never met anyone and I'm there with them on a weekend and I've only met them within a year. We met in December. It's just not me. It's just not what we were taught by Bishop Oedepo. You're going to hear a lot of from him, I believe, from the pastor. But I'm going to say this to you. That's the largest church in the whole world. Every Sunday morning in one location. Now, we have churches all over the world. We have churches in Korea. We thank God for great things. But in one center, one location like here, 600,000 people every Sunday. The people are counted at the gate so that they don't count you twice. They count people as they drive in at the gate. 600,000. 
one twenty thousand one service, five services. Doing amazing thing. There is no where in the world in the body of Christ, no church organization that has seen that level of prosperity. It amazes us. Pastor Bill has been there. So we thank God. That's who we are. That's my background. And I believe in faith that one day you all will see Papa in Jesus' precious name by the grace of the Holy Ghost. So tonight we are going to be looking into the word of the Lord. Now, this is Take Charge Weekend. So, Take Charge begins from the book of Genesis. That is the book of the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. I've just moved to verse 26. Take Charge is from the word Dominion. And I thank God for the wisdom from the pastor. We were talking about Dominion. Then he said to simplify it. Take charge. You know what? I said that in our church too. The name of our church is Dominion Life Christian Center. The lifestyle of dominion. Living in absolute authority. Taking charge. Be in command of your life. Be in command in the realms of the spirit and in the natural. So we are going to look into the scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 the Bible says in verse 26, can we read all together, all of us? Genesis 1, verse 26, can we read one to go? Can we read together? Praise the Lord. Okay, let me read. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the hearts. Then in verse 28, the God, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Verse 28, then God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the heart, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air, over every living thing. So we were created for dominion. We were created to take charge. We were created to be in control of everything in our lives. You see the testimony of Terry? That's what God created us to do on earth. To be in charge, not to be dominated by sicknesses, not to be dominated by poverty, not to be dominated by demons, by the oppression of the enemy. We were created, born for dominion, to take charge, complete authority. Now, when Satan came in the Garden of Eden, he was jealous of the position of man on earth. Out of his jealousy, he deceived Eve. Adam fell into it and man lost dominion. Now from scriptures, the Bible says, when Adam fell, man died. You know what died? The fellowship, the spiritual nature 
that has fellowship with God. The God in man died. So we lost dominion. Now the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. The life-giving Adam. So to restore the life that we lost in the Garden of Eden. So after salvation, after redemption, now that life is restored. Now we can fellowship with God. Now we can now live the lifestyle of dominion that we lost in the Garden of Eden. Praise the Lord. Now, tonight I'm going to be speaking on walking in the reality of redemption. Walking, living the reality. Living the reality, the true life of redemption. Because when we give our life to Jesus, something took place. And it is important for us to understand the reality of these things so that we will not be disappointed in our expectations. Because when we don't know, we don't live it. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things, everything. One translation says, the old is gone. The new is here. So when you give your life to Christ, it's no longer the same you that used to live. The new you, as God created in the Garden of Eden, is now reborn. That's what we call spiritual rebirth. Praise the Lord. Because when we don't know, we cannot exercise dominion. Praise the Lord. Now, in John chapter 3, verses 1, a couple of verses, John chapter 3, there was a man called Nicodemus. He came to Jesus. He came by night, and he asked him, and he said, you, you, you're truly from God. That's why you can do all these things that you do. Then Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I said to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, he says something. Jesus says something right there. Nicodemus asked, he said, How can a man be born again? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? How can you be born again? What does it mean to be born again? Now, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I said to you, Unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So when you are born again, you are born of the spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are now born of the spirit. Then he went on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you are born again to become a spirit. So you are not fleshy. You are not spiritual. Will you agree with me tonight that there is a difference between being spiritual and actually being a spirit? Now, you can fake to be spiritual and just act spiritually. That doesn't make you a spirit. But when you are a spirit, you are going to be spiritual naturally. Because that is your nature. 
Now Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Praise the Lord. So we are spirits. So when you receive who you are in the Lord, then you live and function like a spirit. So when sickness comes, spirit don't forsake. So you don't manage it, you fight it off. Because it doesn't belong to you. Is somebody hearing me tonight? Now, let's see what Jesus says. He says, the wind blows where it wishes in verse 8. And you hear where the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. He says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you are a spirit in human clothing. That's how God sees you and I. One of the greatest revelations of redemption that I received many years ago is this. Do you know in the realms of the spirit, Satan can't tell when he sees you, if you are Jesus or you are not. He only knows all of us as God's children. The Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren. So he doesn't know which one of God's children he's talking to. Unless you ignorantly behave like you don't know who you are. Pastor Bill was talking about something, he didn't get into it, about speaking. One of the ways that Satan knows where you stand is by what comes out of your mouth. When you make negative confessions, Satan knows God's children don't talk like this. That's why as Christian, you are not supposed to say what unbelievers say. If you say what they say, you will see what they see. You don't confess. Now, one of the mysteries, one of the things around my spiritual father is this. You never say anything negative around him. He can't stand it. No matter what is going on. For example, you can't say, I am sick. No matter what you are feeling in your body. And over the last many years in our church back home, I mean California, nobody says anything negative in our church. Nobody says anything negative in my office. Nobody says anything negative anywhere around us. Why? We teach people, you speak according to your nature. Now what is faith? Faith is to see yourself the way God sees you. Faith is, what you see is what God sees. When you see what God sees. So at new birth, we are born into the realms of the spirit. So something took place. It is not a religious uh, fix six into your life. It's a transformation of who you are. Praise the Lord. Inside the word of the Lord, one of the strength or the lifeline of our ministry that is talking from Bishop, from Papa, is the word of God is our lifeline. Whatever the word of God says, 
That's what we believe. Now, let me show you what the Bible says here. In Psalms 119, verse 143, no, Psalms 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. So there are wonders in the word of God. When you look into the word of the Lord and you receive it. Now, the Bible is God's word. We are God's people. So the Bible is the manual for our living. So you are what God says you are in his word. In case somebody is here tonight, you think you are not feeling the Holy Ghost enough to hear the voice of the Lord. If you can read, every page of the Bible is God speaking to you every day. Every time, the, the Bible is God's voice in print. Now, the Bible, the, the Bible says is the most sure word of prophecy. Now, the prophecy in scriptures is more sure than the greatest human prophet that lives. One, one day, some years back, uh, now when our church started, we started in an hotel, two families, and at this time, then we moved to a condo, a two-bedroom rented condo, about 2,000 square foot, and I was in a conference in Long Beach, Kaneko Plan was there, and I was in the hotel in between the sessions, morning and afternoon sessions, as I entered the room. The Holy Spirit said to me, arise and depart. This is not your place of rest. God spoke from Micah chapter 10 and verse 2. That is from scripture. That is from the Bible. Arise and depart. This is not your place of rest. I asked myself, Holy Spirit, what's going on? Am I in the wrong room? Am I in the wrong hotel? Am I not supposed to be here? The Lord said, that is from scripture. Then the Lord said, it is time to buy a building. It is time to buy a building. Church just started now about two years, I think. We had $30,000 in the account. That's all we had. I came to church, I announced. I said, the Lord says it's time to buy a building. When? I said from scripture. Micah chapter 10 and verse 2. I took the old church. We're about 60 people. Now the shot of the testimony was this. In about six months from that day, we had purchased a building for a million dollars. From the pages of scriptures. So the Bible, you don't hear the voice of the Lord, you can read, read the scriptures. At some point, the Holy Spirit will arrest you on a verse. Because God is speaking to you from that verse. So the word of God is the lifeline for every believer. There is the spoken word. Then the Bible is the written word. It is God speaking to you. When I take a scripture. Now, many things we do. Based on the word. When people come to me and they are sick or something. The Holy Spirit will inspire a scripture in me. Then I just tell them, go read this scripture for the next three, four, four days. They're going to come back on Sunday with a testimony. One time, one woman came for the first time. This woman came on television. Now, we are on television. We've been on television in the Bay Area for about seven years now. I've been on television. Preaching to about 10 million people every week. Now, this woman came from TV. Then I said, I'm going to give you a prescription. Now, this woman has 
an infirmity. I can't know the name. I don't know medical stuff. But she had a, a lot of gadgets on her body when she came. Then I said, can we open into Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 and verse 26. Thou shalt serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. He will take sickness away from the midst of you. He will take sickness away. So the woman looked at me. He said, that's what I have to do? I said, yes. I said, go and read this scripture until you are healed. He said, for how long? I said, it won't be long. Not as long as you think. This was, I think, on a Monday. By Thursday service, this woman was around. She's been healed. When she came back, there was no gadget on her. The power in God's word. The power in the word of the Lord. The Bible is God speaking to you and I. A few years ago, I was, we were in um, Chicago with uh, Pastor Bill Winston, and Papa was there to minister. And somebody asked me, tell us something about your bishop. I said, anything is this in the Bible is going to do it. Let me tell you something. This might help someone tonight. If you pull a gun on him, he's going to quote a scripture. And that has happened several times. And he was never shot. If you pull a gun on him, he's going to respond with the scripture. That is knowing the authority that is in God's word. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says, is any man, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, the first thing you must understand is this. It's not the same you again. Is somebody hearing me tonight? It's not the same you. Now, I was born into Christianity, but into a lot of religion. So when I encountered my spiritual father, I was blown away. I asked myself, what kind of man is this? As I began to sink the word of the Lord, I found out there is nothing more real than the truth discovered from God's word. We have tackled many situations with God's word. We have tackled many, many, many situations with the word of the Lord. So the word of God is our defense. So as a Christian, now let me take us through a couple of things that change at redemption. A couple of things that change. A couple of things that we should understand as believers. Number one, we have been justified. When you give your life to Christ, it's only in your mind whatever you have done, whatever you have been before you give your life to Jesus. There is no longer no record of it in heaven. So it's not pushed on the side. It doesn't exist anymore. 
When you give your life to Jesus, as a Christian, when you say, I'm a sinner, they don't know what you are talking about in heaven. Praise the Lord. You have been justified. Let me show you what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 28, and chapter 8, Romans 8 from verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. What does that mean? All things mean some things that won't look good. But God will make it work for your good. And God specializes in that. He can turn... He can turn a bad situation and it becomes a blessing. Let me back up to my story. When my wife was pregnant, after three years of waiting, then she was very ill, very ill, to a point we said we didn't want the baby again. True story. I was thinking about it, she was thinking about it, but we didn't talk about it. I didn't know what was going on in her mind. She didn't know what was going on in my mind. So one day, the doctor came in and was like, this woman could die anytime. Then I said to her, the doctor was not there. I said, should we tell them to get the baby out since it's a pregnancy that is causing this trouble? She said, it's too late. If you had said it last week, I would have agreed. I was thinking about it last week, but I didn't know how to tell you. I was also thinking about it last week. So it was so bad. So when she got better, one night she was supposed to be dead. Something took place. A friend of mine and myself, we got in. The doctor stopped treating her. They stopped applying medications and all those things. So we were in the room. We started singing. We started singing. We started praying. We started praying. We started laying hands. We started laying hands. Then he led to communion. We ministered the communion and she fell asleep. She woke up, made whole. She was discharged the next day. The next day. Now listen, after she was discharged, then I felt she was three months pregnant now, three, four months. I said, okay, we go to the United States to rest a little bit and come back in six, seven months. When you're six, seven months pregnant, she said, okay. So she came. No, I said, will you go to London? She said, no, I would rather go to the U.S. I said, that's fine. She came. Now, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. I didn't know God was moving us to America. That's what led to having our first child in the United States. She was born in California. She graduated from Penn State University this summer. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord. In case you are here tonight... Things are going in your life like a storm or your life has been like a turbulence. I have a word from the Lord for you. God caused you to be here tonight because of the storm so that he can replant your feet. And when you take on now, devil can't stop you again. All things work together for good. The psalmist says, it is good that I have been afflicted that I may know your status. So in other words, I know you more because of my affliction. If it wasn't because of my affliction, I wouldn't sit under your feet to know you. But that my affliction brought me to you. 
Now I know you, I cannot be stopped. There is somebody here tonight, devil will never be able to stop you again. In the name of Jesus. Because by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you will be empowered tonight. You will be anointed tonight. Now listen, the power of the enemy will be broken from your life tonight. Now when you give your life to Christ, you have been justified. You know what that means? There is no accusation against you. You qualify for the best of the Lord. The Bible says, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. All things. Let me share one revelation with you in Isaiah chapter 54. One of the lies of the devil to steal people's testimonies is self-condemnation. You feel unworthy of what the Lord wants to do in your life. Satan wants you to feel like you don't qualify for it. When you are close to a breakthrough, accusation begins to flood your heart. Satan begins to say all kinds of things. Let me share this with you tonight. You are righteous not because of what you can do. There is nothing you and I can do to earn God's righteousness. It is his own. Now, it is not an approver to sin. But the moment you give your life to Jesus, whatever you have done, everyone has forgotten about it. Let me show you something from scripture. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. It will be good if we can read this together. Isaiah 54 verse 17. I want to show you something about justification. Isaiah 54 verse 17. Can we read? Let's read. One to go. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. And every tongue rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Then he said, this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. Their righteousness is of me. So God is saying, Satan, you think they don't qualify for it? I qualify them. Their righteousness is of me. What does that mean? When you are a child of God and you got into trouble and you have come before the Lord, and you have repented, God's righteousness speaks for you. No father, no parent trains their children with hardship. Let let me put it this way. But he come on here. By the way, I love you when I say you. That's why I've been talking to you. Now, this is pastor's son. Now, how old are you? 18. Now, this is beloved son. So, we're talking about you and I and God. Now, he takes daddy's car without approval. <laughs> right? And he got in an accident. You won't get in an accident in Jesus' name. He got in an accident, right? 
And somebody called the pastor, the dad. Your son is in an accident. He didn't tell him to take the car. But he took it anyway. Will he say, oh, I didn't tell him to take the car. Good for him. Is he going to say that? Somebody talk to me tonight. <laughs> what is he going to say? He's going to rush there. Is he okay? Where is my son? Is he okay? Is he okay? What about the disobedience? We will fix it. <laughs> we will talk about it later. <laughs> Why is that? Daddy's righteousness covers him. When you get into trouble as a child of God, it doesn't mean you are helpless. It doesn't mean God will punish you with death or suffering. The righteousness of God will speak for you. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Your righteousness is of me. Now, Satan wants it of you where you deserve it. Then God said, no, his righteousness is from me. He has been justified. If you are justified, you can no longer be accused. Now, the Lord will have me say this tonight because when I begin to minister the anointing oil, the power of the Lord will go forth to heal and deliver so that you'll be clear. You know that Satan cannot come between you and the Lord. If you are here tonight, you'll be struggling with a battle in your mind self-guilt, unrighteousness. You have given your life to Jesus. You have confessed him, but because Satan always telling you, reminding you of some things that you did, it's all in your mind. As long as you have repented, it's washed away by the blood of Jesus. So when you give your life to Jesus, you are justified. Praise the Lord. You enjoy justification. Number two, as a born-again believer, you have an inexhaustible potential in the Lord by salvation. You have inexhaustible... What, what, what do I mean? Nothing compares to salvation in value. There is nothing that has more value than the salvation of your soul. Praise the Lord. How did I know? The Bible says, Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus was teaching, for what will he profit a man if he gains this whole world and he loses his soul? Or what will a man can exchange for his soul? What, what does that mean? The word profit is a business word. Is that right? It's a business term. What will it profit a man if he loses his soul and gains this whole world? Jesus was saying, if you have to do business, if you have to trade between everything in this world and the salvation of your soul, you are at a loss if you pick the worth of this world. Is somebody hearing me? So, as a born-again believer, you never envy anything in the hand of an unbeliever. <laughs> there is nothing possessed by an unbeliever 
that is worth the salvation of your soul that you already have. What does it profit a man? In other words, it's not profitable. It's a bad business. You trade your soul for the wealth of this world, you are at a loss. What does it profit? It is not profitable. It's bad business. Praise the Lord. So now, inside the salvation of your soul, now embedded in you are potentials that can turn this world around. In the precious name of Jesus, under the sound of my voice, new businesses will arise in this church that will be employing thousands of employees in Jesus' name. So now you have the potentials to become the best that God has created you to be. Now, as God's children, we are destined for the top. That is the truth. A, a bishop was in my office many years back. He said something. He said, the Bible says he owns a cattle upon a thousand hills. He said, if my father in heaven owns the cattle upon a thousand hills, I should be wearing leather jacket, leather shoe, leather wallet, leather everything. Because he owns cattle all over the places. <laughs> Everything must be in leather, which is <laughs> because he owns cattles. Now, you and I, as the children of the Most High, the most important thing is not where you are right now. It is what is ahead of you. Yeah. We must begin to look ahead into the future. You can start low today. That's not where you are going. That is not your hand in the name of Jesus. And that's why it's good to be in a great church like this where the word of God is taught so that you can be moved from glory to glory to glory to glory from one level of glory to another level of glory. Praise the Lord. If you are here tonight, you are struggling financially. It already started in the morning. I prophesy over your life, there will be a turnaround. Number three, when you give your life to Jesus, you must pay attention to the price of faithfulness. Because everything answers by covenant. God will not be more faithful to you than you are faithful to him. Christianity is spiritual responsibility. When we don't accept our responsibility, you know what we're doing? Religion. Every message, every prayer you pray that gives God the entire responsibility, you are not responsible for anything, it's a useless prayer. Are you hearing me tonight? Every prayer you pray, that absorbs you of all responsibility. That's why you will wait for a long time. We thank God for the testimony of Terry, but he came to church. What if he didn't come? 
What if he did not come? If you are too big to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are too big to be saved. There is a responsibility on your part. When you play your part, you don't have to pray to see the part of the Lord. One of the things I learned from my spiritual father, sir, pastor, is this. You never pray for prosperity. You never pray for money. Have you heard that from him before? You never pray for money. If you are unfaithful in your giving, you need prayer. And it doesn't answer to prayer. It answers to giving. It answers prosperity. Money does not answer to prayers. Is somebody hearing me tonight? I'm trying to feel at home because I feel at home. So you tell the truth to your children, right? Now, how many of us know sometimes you see your children play with the neighbor's children and you have something important to tell them when the neighbor's children are gone, then you call your children. You tell them the truth. Is that right? So let's assume we are doing the same thing tonight. Financial prosperity does not answer to prayers. When you are faithful in your giving, you will never need to pray for money. Because the law of seed time and harvest time is in effect. Are you hearing me? I can share tons of testimonies. When I said we had 30,000 and we we're about to build a church, then I said in about six months, we bought a building for a million dollars. You know what we did with 30,000? We sold the entire 30,000. I told my team, I said $30,000 can't buy a building. can't do nothing. So what is it? It's a seed. We look for a church that just bought a building. We send the check to them. We forgot about it. In about four months, we found a building for a million dollars. Now, this building was about $1.8 million building. We negotiated with the bank. We eventually agreed for a million. Now, they asked us to put down the deposit for opening the escrow. They asked for 30000 You know what I told our finance? I said, give them 150000 Because as at that time, 150000 was in their account. But we saw the 30000 as a seed. In six months, we had bought a building for a million dollars. Prosperity does not answer to prayers. I am telling you the truth, people of the Lord. God wants to bless you, but he wants to test your obedience to be sure that when you are blessed, you will still be loving him. It takes love to be faithful with material things to the Lord. Why? Naturally, everyone commit their resources to the place and the people they, they love. Right? One of the things I tell the young people in our church is this. I don't believe any love without giving. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Somebody that you love qualifies for your best. Talk is cheap. You can say it, show it. Is somebody hearing me? 
you can say anything. You, I love this man since we started talking. I came first. I don't like traveling because I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. <laughs> I like my people. <laughs> so, but to express love, I have to give my time. I have to sit on the plane that I don't like. <laughs> Praise the Lord. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Let me tell you the truth tonight. Every struggle to be faithful in tithing and your offering is because the love of God is not entrenched in your heart. How many of us have fallen in love before here? Either you ended up getting married or you know you've been in love before, seriously in love. Did anybody, Pastor Stephanie, did anybody ever encourage you to buy gifts for him? Did he have to? Did somebody have to come? Pastor Stephanie, don't forget his birthday is coming. You have to try to buy something. Why? It comes naturally. Yeah. Is that right? If you love the Lord, giving faithfully will become natural. Now, I'm trying to take us through some steps that will give us dominion in every area of life. You must be faithful in your giving. You will never need to pray for money. If you are unfaithful, you will need prayers. But prayer won't deliver it. You know, my, my spiritual father says something. He says, now, poverty, prosperity is a state of the mind. It is not a state of your finances. It's how you think. Now, when I couldn't pay our rent, when I nearly came to the U.S., I didn't feel poor. This is the way I talk. Nobody knew we couldn't pay our rent. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we couldn't buy diapers for babies, I never, I didn't talk poverty because I knew we were going somewhere. So it's a state of the mind. Now, my spiritual father will always say this. Anyone that thinks they are poor or the poor people have a real problem. He said, because they won't give because they think they are poor. Yet, they won't come out of poverty until they give. Is that they think they are poor. They develop a needy mentality. They want to take from everyone. Now, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 11, the poor shall never cease in thy midst. The poor shall never cease from your midst. He said, therefore, open your hands wide to the poor, to the needy in your family. Talking about family of God, right? Now, the Bible says the poor shall never cease. Open your hands wide. So poverty, prosperity is a choice. So how do you choose it? If you are a giver, you have chosen prosperity. Now, if you choose to receive from everybody, it's a choice of poverty. The poor shall never cease in thy land. There is no believer God created to be poor. 
Because when we receive new life, it changes everything. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is, what is least is unjust. Now, God will test where you are to see how you will handle the big things. If God can trust you with a couple of hundreds of dollars, don't expect him to trust you when thousand comes. If you are afraid to tithe hundred dollars, you will choke if the tithe becomes a thousand. Is somebody hearing me? So you start to be faithful at your level. Praise the Lord. So the price of faithfulness, you must be faithful in your giving. One of the things we struggle the most in our lives as believers, or most challenges people have, is financial challenges. There are many medical sicknesses, medical challenges that are rooted with financial problems. There are people on sick bed today, if you give them money, they will jump out without prayer. If you give them some money, they will jump out of, sickness, out of the sick bed. That is because the sickness started with depression, right? And before you know it, all kinds of symptoms begin to come in the body. Now they become so discouraged. So when money comes, sickness goes. That's why the Bible says money answers all things. Now, I just felt led to digress in that area tonight. Because this is a great church, then who are the church? You and I. If all of us move out, if pastor move out of this place now, move somewhere else, if they buy this place for a warehouse, it's not, it's not going to be called church again. It becomes a warehouse. You and I are the church. When I say this is a great church, I mean you are a great people. By destiny. But we must understand who we are and the law of the new life, the law of redemption. 